0: sure three two what up what up um you guys that pause was creative it wasn't on a accident it was creative i have two special guests of me today uh mr alfonso Ribeiro face william j smith how are you
1: i'm good man how are you bro
0: I can't complain and new guest to the podcast. Kevin James face. How are you?
2: (laughs) You got to unmute him dog. (laughs) He he muted himself. Sorry. Yeah, that's my bad. Yeah. Kevin James got fat fingers too, I suppose. So what's going on, man? I hope you're doing okay.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Uh, how are you guys? Uh, Bully Rye, also affectionately known to everyone else as uh, Papa Frick. That's me. Uh, he's a he, friend of the show, friend of Will, friend of myself. Um, most frequently referred to as, uh, or most frequently known as the one invited to the cookout, although cookout season
2: is kind of shut down right now.
1: But. <laughs> Lord, it got canceled this year.
2: Listen, listen, we are in control of, of what cookout season is. So if we want to have a cookout, we have a cookout. If we have to wear masks and remove them to eat, then then so be it. But nobody's going to tell me that I can't I can't go to – or I can't have a cookout or be to a cookout.
3: Look at your privilege going. I like it.
2: Unless I'm not trying to eat your rooms no no with a mask on, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, unless, of course, you guys are the ones that tell me that I'm no longer invited to the cookout, in which case <laughs> – we will not be at the cookout. And that would that's how that would go. So either way.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you up. Um, people may be trying to figure out how I know you or where you whatever. Um I met you through Will. You're good you're very good friends at Will. Uh I would say uh you were in his wedding, so you gotta be really good friends at him. Uh we were, we were in multiple groups across platforms together, but first time meeting you was actually at Will's Bachelor Party, which was my very first WrestleMania. Now, for all of you cringing,
2: saying, oh,
0: his Bachelor Party was at WrestleMania. It was actually an, an awesome time.
1: Yeah, it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let them, let them hate all they want. That was one of the most fun trips I ever took. So they can, they can get bent. You still trying to
1: uh, you still trying to get past that bar we set with the first one. <laughs> Every really other one falling really? short.
2: I mean, Excuse you're me. not kidding. That first trip, like as few people that were there. That first, that first WrestleMania was. I mean, it was fantastic. It was awesome. Good times. Um, I,
0: back when we were able to go outside, um, you would think planning a trip with. Will be the centerpiece saying, "Hey, come to this trip. We're going to WrestleMania, and you're going because you know you know Will." And then you get there, and he's a whole bunch of other people that you do not know, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is actually happening." I remember planning that trip to WrestleMania. I, I yeah, you guys, the Death. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it wasn't until you actually asked for money that I was like, "Oh, this is
1: happening."
2: Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't joking. <laughs> you know it's funny there were a lot of other people that realized this was this got real when we started asking for money and they said oh i thought this was a joke okay never mind i'm not going there's, <laughs> so
1: there's money involved remember, go. their, their original plan was the all-star game in charlotte yeah it's, and they they had that whole issue with the bathroom law and they pulled that game out of charlotte and so i was like well what to do now well, wrestlemania <laughs> and it, it ended up happening so good all right, That's so I
2: mean, we, we've been icebreaker
0: in this entire time, just getting people to know us. But I'm going to ask you guys um, couple would-you-rather questions. All right? All right. All right. Would you rather, with your weaker hand, right or eat well?
1: I can You're only really with both hands, so I would say right.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if, if you can see me, which I'm sure your viewers and listeners can, I don't have a problem eating with my, my weak hand, so I would say right as well.
1: I was honestly a little concerned what his question was going. You said weekend, weak hand, but like, let, me, let me let this ride out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if you are running a family show today. I wasn't
4: so
0: surprised. No, I wasn't going to ask you which forearm is bigger. Um, <laughs> I mean, quarantine everybody, every male should have. Anyways, going back to Would You Rather. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. All right, here we go. If we're going back to Would You Rather. I'm just trying to find a good one so you guys don't get uh All right, here we go. Would you rather never fly again or not have internet?
1: Ooh, I'd never fly again, and I hate driving.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to agree with Will. I mean, everything runs on the internet. So you can't business
1: without the internet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's you can't not do something without the internet. So I'm definitely going to turn down flying ever again.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't mind. Uh, I hate driving long distance. I would do it. I hate I hate it, but I would do it. But I would choose the internet ten times out of ten over flying. Not even a, a second thought. All right, last one, which is going to lead us in some place. Would you rather watch a Dave Chappelle stand-up or only watch Dave Chappelle movies?
1: Oh, um. <laughs> So hold on. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, I'll change that.
0: I'll change that. Would you rather watch a Dave Chappelle stand-up
2: mm-hmm. or only watch season three of the Chappelle show? Oh, that's a lot harder to be completely honest.
1: Considering I know. where the question is going, I'm gonna say stand up. Like is it just one stand-up or I have to choose all of his stand ups or just season three?
0: One stand up or season three.
1: I'm going to still say stand-up.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so much material in both. For the sake of argument, I'll say stand-up, too.
1: Especially now, ever since I say post-Netflix deal, Dave, like, he just hit – he got the bag. He can say whatever he want now. So he's he's a lot more free than I think he was back at Comedy Central. Mm
0: -hmm. If you remember, season three was – Right after uh, him declining the fifty million,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they did like the the BS half a season and all that other stuff.
2: <laughs> Didn't Charlie Murphy and that other guy like stand on stage and finish out in the last season?
0: Yeah, they did. They did the yeah. monologues for it because
2: that's right. Dave was quote
0: unquote mentally ill, and yeah, everybody
2: said he went crazy and went to Africa and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember.
1: He's like, nah, I'm
2: out.
0: <laughs> I remember him saying on Oprah in 2006, uh, he, when he said that he was ill and went to Africa, he said, now, tell me if this makes sense. Why would I choose Africa <laughs> to go to get some place for health care when I live in America? Like, that was his joke. And I was like, yeah, it, it would, people made that seem like he really fell off his rocker, but... That's the danger of uh, being a celebrity. Sometimes they can paint you as crazy, or they paint you as a genius. And when they paint you as crazy, it's kind of harder to come back from, um, a la Martin in the middle of the street shooting people, or um, people verdict excel out on Kanye. But yeah. When they you, <laughs> hey,
2: well,
1: like Kanye turning the corner. W- w-
0: yeah, that's the conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's another conversation. But, yeah.
2: Um, I think yes. – I'm sorry. I think Kanye is just a work. I think he's a living, breathing work. Just, again, wrestling fans will understand that. But it's even,
1: – Even so, if that's the case, if this is the long con, you know, get close to Trump, yada, 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 get more attention on your platform and then donate the black causes, it was a weird roundabout, but I take it.
2: I mean he's the black Andy Kaufman. Like nobody knew what the hell he was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like right. and
1: that's a
0: really good comparison.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the way I see it anyway, so but yeah.
0: Cause Kaufman was a troll.
2: Huge. Before before trolls were really a thing. He was the original troll. I'm I'm almost positive he's got trolls somewhere like hidden in his name like on his headstone like it might be chiseled <laughs> somewhere <laughs> on that headstone like the original troll which i mean it fits so all right well um
0: speaking of chapeau and since you guys i hate sending out stuff but so you prepared we uh are going to talk about 846 i'm just going to play a clip right quick and then we can uh have a free-flowing conversation about it. But um, let me share my screen. Close out these porn sites. <laughs> All right, hold on one second. Uh... Come on. don't do that. I okay. uh, doesn't want to share my screen. Of course, technology will do this to me. Oh, here we go. You guys can see it? Mm-hmm. The screen? All right, here we go.
4: All these things, uh, while the earthquake is happening, while I'm experiencing what... It-
0: Just a- Cue up what's happening. David is giving a story about an earthquake when he, his first earthquake that he experienced uh, when he was in California, his first time in California.
4: The earthquake is the first time and I was certain that I might very possibly die. As a matter of fact, I remember I made a point not to scream just in case I lived, I wouldn't have to remember myself being vocally terrified. But I forgave myself for being terrified. That earthquake couldn't have been more than 35 seconds. This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was gonna die. People watched it, people filmed it. And for some reason that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying that you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God? That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop. It's for all of it. Fucking all of it. I don't mean to get heavy, but
0: all right. Dave Chappelle's eight forty-six is the name of the special. But um as a Chappelle fan, I was ex- I wasn't expecting it, so when it came, I was thinking, oh, okay, we're about to laugh. Word. Yeah. Um and that's how long in? About five minutes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> right at it. Punch to the face. No, no blocks. No, it was a straight. It's coming at you, whether you like it or not. Um, how did you guys feel? Because I loved I can't even call it a stand-up. It was it was more for me a spoken word and him just expressing a whole lot. What did you guys think about it? How do you feel?
2: Well, do you want to start off or you want yeah. me to start off?
1: Um, I know for me, I loved it, man. Um, I personally, and I've stated this multiple times, like I'm, I'm done with the black, uh, the black male torture porn. Like I can't watch any more of it. Like, so I personally have still not watched the George Floyd video, nor have I watched it. I haven't watched the video of the, the young man that was killed in Atlanta either. I, I've seen this too many times, too many different ways. I'm good. And so just certain parts of it, like you said, that really stuck to me were like him calling out to his mom. And those are things you hear about all the time, like when people are passing, like they may call out to a, a, a family member or a loved one. And for him to tie that back to his grandfather calling out for or his 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 uh, father calling out for his, for his grandmother, like that's hard. Like I, I to, to be sitting there and knowing like, yo, nobody's going to save me like this is it this is this is how i go out it's fucking horrifying
2: yeah uh i think to core to your point it didn't when you when you see dave chappelle stand-up special you think that you're gonna laugh and i seemingly i mean i watched the video a couple days ago and i mean there were a couple of laughs thrown in there but it wasn't a stand up like it wasn't a comedy it was it was like you said a spoken word as someone who doesn't have the the life experience of being black in america i will never understand some of the struggles that you guys have to deal with um you know from that just from that clip alone um you know it's it's to me it's it's intriguing to see the certain points uh, the certain aspects of a situation that stand out in people's mind, and the eight minutes and forty-six seconds, I believe, was the same time in which Dave was was born. That was the time of his birth. So the fact that that same time frame was the was the also the the length of time that uh, the officer was was kneeling on on George Floyd's neck is is I, w- I wouldn't say a, a coincidence because it's too specific to me to be a coincidence. I think that. Um, there's a lot more in this video, obviously. Um, but I think more than anything, the fact that Dave Chappelle is, is so wild, you know, widely known and wide, widely renowned by people of, of all sorts of ethnicities and, and, uh, you know, outside of maybe the transgender community, cause he's had problems with him in the past, but, uh, nevertheless, he, he's respected he is a respected comedian and so when you go and expect to see something that's supposed to make you laugh and it makes you feel other feelings especially someone who is not again of the experience that you guys have had his words resonate so much more powerfully because it's just it's thoughts that you know Had, you know, they not been said, those words not been said the way they were said, you wouldn't, you know, really feel as strongly as his spoken word made you feel.
0: I think the brilliance of comedy in general is that it's supposed to make you feel something. Um, Mm -hmm. If you think of, and I'm not going to assume, so I'll ask, uh, but uh, Frick, do you... Are you familiar with Paul Mooney?
2: With, I'm sorry, say that again? Paul Mooney. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm familiar with him, but I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to try to pretend to be an expert. I've heard the name and I've, I've seen him because he's been on Chappelle's uh, right. show and stuff like that before. So, yeah, I've heard of him. Yes.
0: For the audience that may not know who Paul Mooney is, like I said, I don't want to assume that people know when you put out a name. You don't want to just assume people know. But Paul Mooney... And I'm going to show you where this, this tie-in coming from. Paul Mooney is a comedian that wrote for Richard Pryor and some other folks. He was on a Chappelle show. He did some stuff for Dave. Um, but when you look at his stand-up, he makes you very – he can make you, and if you're there with a, a Caucasian associate, he can make it very uncomfortable because he hits that stuff that – before not even now but before made people like cringe and uncomfortable and he enjoyed every second of making you uncomfortable um before all this happened i always said i would love to see a paul mooney stand up now but be honest with you i don't think america can take a paul mooney stand up now because what he was doing before and making people uncomfortable it would be reminiscent to what Dave is doing in this new comedy thing, and that's just freely talking about what's really happening. Um, Will, if you if you can, um, in looking at this, how do you Frick is a perfect person to be here for, like this conversation. But how do you, looking at this, knowing Frick? knowing he must have liked Chappelle, seen the stand-up, seen the series, all that other stuff. How did you, as a close friend, have a conversation with Frick now post this Dave Chappelle stand-up about consistency, moving forward, progression? Um, because I'm sure, Frick, Frick I'm going to answer you the same question, but coming from the standpoint of he is your – I'm gonna say white friend. I'm not gonna keep saying gauge. Use your white friend. <laughs>
1: That's okay.
0: <laughs> but how do you guys have that conversation moving forward? Because I'm sure for you to get to this
1: point. Now, how long you guys known each other? Since, what sophomore year of high school?
2: Your sophomore year, because I'm a year older than you. So son, speak mm. that right. About 18 years, maybe. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's it's weird to believe that we've known each other that long. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> So 18 years counting,
0: how do you now, because obviously you guys must have, there was something that linked you together in the beginning, mm-hmm. kept you together now, and is gonna keep you as friends moving forward. Not just like cyber friends, but people that know each other real life. I started by saying you were in his wedding, for yeah. wedding. So it's not a relationship that's built off of internet or groups, but there's a personal relationship here. How do you guys move forward? I have white friends as well. But how do you guys move forward after this Chappelle documentary? Because it is heavy.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a matter of having those difficult conversations. And, and you and I, Corey, have had these conversations about the workplace and having those same conversations. It's, it's about understanding the uncomfortability and the awkwardness and the tension that a lot of America is feeling is what we deal with on a daily basis um it's a lot more nuanced of course but it's it's just a taste of the things that we have to deal with and being a friend or an ally is not only understanding what your friends are going through on both sides but also trying to be that arbiter of change whether it's just influencing your own your own family or your own community it's about making that change because we all can't change the entire world but we can each change our individual worlds which affects how things move forward from here like this has to be a turning point so it's like having those conversations like hey what can i do in my community or even having those conversations like hey is me and we've had these conversations of saying hey this is does this come off as racist does this come off as being tone deaf like reach out to your black friends and ask them that like it's okay because the last thing most people want to do is come off as racist or tone deaf when that's not what they mean so it's being vulnerable enough to have those conversations and to put yourself in that position is the only way these things are going to start to change, of course, in voting, but trying to keep
2: it apolitical. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so obviously the conversation goes much deeper than a 30 minute special, you know, by Dave Chappelle. Um, I know you mentioned, uh, when you were mentioning Paul Mooney and not being able to have a stand-up because of, of, how uncomfortable it would make people. I, I think part of, I guess I would call it that culture is because for the most part, and and I'm not going to speak for all white people, you know, um, but I, I think that it's a matter of being raised not to necessarily see it from the other perspective. Um, you know, I've, it's it's hard to explain my my thoughts without going you know far back into not necessarily my childhood but you know where I grew up the people that grew up around me and stuff like that, um, you know. We got nothing but time for yeah. So I mean, it's it's essentially you know, you surround yourself. You you know, it's it's psychologically been been you know shown that growing up you tend to put yourself around people that look like you. So, you know, a lot of, you know, white people and white kids will look for other white kids to play with and hang out with and stuff like that. And it's not by, you know, I wouldn't say it's by design. It's just, you know, okay, that person looks like me. Maybe they'll be friendly like I am or whatever the case is. So as you grow, you realize there is a difference in, not just the way other people are raised, but how they are perceived by the community. Um, and so, you know, I, I think about how different it was from going to fifth grade to sixth grade, just for me personally, not anything race related, but just for me personally, going to fifth and sixth grade and knowing from elementary and middle school, how much different my experience was. And then going middle school to high school, um, and then, you know, when you, when you start to develop mentally uh, around that age, you start developing your own opinions uh, based on the people you surround yourself with. And so if you're hanging out with, you know, let's say your best friend is a white guy whose dad, you know, uses the N-word constantly or is constantly making racially insensitive jokes or whatever the case is. Um, you know, it's up to you, ultimately, to make that decision, well, this isn't, this isn't okay, or um, to just kind of let it slide, because you don't want to create conflict. So, um, you know, the older you get, the more experience you get in life, uh, you know, specifically from high school to college, or if you don't go that route, just in general, in the general workplace, um, you continue to Again, and it's human nature to stick with things that you're familiar with that make yourself comfortable. Um, when, from my experience, I I kind of thought you know the whole there was there was this perception of, and, and I'm 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 going to say this because I'm I'm you know for the for the conversation to go the way it should go it, it should be completely honest. Um, I felt that there was this perception of people constantly wanting to be victims when it it was just a matter of not knowing their perspective. Um, I think, and Will can attest to this in in Charleston, there's a sense of entitlement, um, from also all sorts of races, all sorts of backgrounds, um, that I think was, was poisonous to the way that I viewed the world. So when I was able to move away and I've only moved three miles away, I'm still in South Carolina. Um, but I started kind of opening my mind to the fact that like, listen, like there are problems in this country. There are problems in this world and nothing is, nothing has changed in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Um, And so if it wasn't for Will adding me to some of these groups that we're in on Facebook together and opening up the conversation when, when we see, you know, when, when you guys see something wrong, you will call it out and someone like me who was maybe misinformed or undereducated on, on that sort of a subject, whether it be police brutality against the black community um, just in general, uh, you know, racial injustice um, as a white man, you don't see that because you've never had to actually experience it. So being able to, Open up and have these uncomfortable conversations with not just Will, but with with JD, uh, with Bro. Um, I remember we were at JD at, at Will's house one day, one night, and we were all over there hanging out, and we we got into deep conversation. And some of the experiences they were telling me about were just god awful, and something that I personally never had to experience, never had to think about experiencing. But if we don't have those uncomfortable conversations, You'll never know the reality. And if you refuse to open your mind to allow another perspective to come in and alter the way that you feel about something as as powerful and as and as important as social and, and, and racial injustice, then you're gonna continue to close your mind off and and live a a honestly a hateful life. And so, you know, it's 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 up to us to have been able to open up and have these these conversations that need to be had. Um, so that we can gain more perspective and understand where you, you know, someone like you or someone like Will is coming from so that we can go back to our friends who may have shared the same distortionist views, um, you know, uh, years ago to maybe help open up their mind to also see that change needs to happen. And, um, and again, I don't want to get too far ahead in the conversation, but you know lately the talk has been the Black Lives Matter movement versus the all Lives matter movement. Um, and I've seen a lot of this time around that with, with everything that's been going on lately, the fact that people are having to explain that they're not saying only black lives matter that uh, or it's not only black lives matter that yes, all lives matter, but right now we're talking about black lives. Because it'd be like, you know, a grandmother going to her grandson's funeral and saying, my son was so talented, or my grandson was so talented, and he was, you know, he was taken away from us too soon. And somebody else gets up in the middle of the service and says, oh, my grandson was talented too. Like, we understand this isn't about you right now. So, um, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of allowing yourself to have those uncomfortable conversations and to be openly ignorant so that you know when you go into that conversation you don't go in thinking that you know the right answers that you don't think you know what you need to be saying but just simply that hey listen this is my this is my thought process on situation a how is this wrong or why do i feel this way when you know there's so many people that feel a different way like help me to understand where i'm where i'm wrong and being able to open yourself up to an alternate view is ultimately the only way that anything's going to change in regards to, I wouldn't just say race relations, but any sort of harmony in this country where it's never going to be a peaceful country until more people start becoming more understanding and more, you know, supportive of, of their friends and their family and family's not always blood families is who you surround yourself with. So sorry to, Go off on this long tangent. I know you said we don't have anything but time, but um, but yeah. I so know. I hope I hope yeah. that helps, kind of where I'm coming from, or at least explain where I'm coming from.
0: You're good. I was gonna say you said being openly um, ignorant—that's a powerful statement because sometimes people don't like to say what they don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Pride keeps us from saying, "Oh, I don't know." Oh, I don't know this. I don't need help. Um, mm-hmm. That's why most people. Don't read instructions when they're putting stuff together because they don't want to feel like, oh, I couldn't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, Being openly um, ignorant is something that that's a conversation in itself, because that's about that's in a whole lot of other um, areas of life. Just being open to the fact that, hey, I don't know. And Piggybacking off a previous conversation I had, um, one of the participants told somebody on the forum, um, It's not our responsibility. It may sound harsh, but it's not our responsibility to educate you. Like that's something people should be doing on themselves. But when you're doing your own research, asking questions to your friends, Hey, I looked up this blah, 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 blah. Tell me or explain to me why. I'm feeling this, or can you give me another perspective on this side, because I'm looking at it like that. Um, being openly ignorant is not a, a, a thing that should be looked down on, because there's things that Will might not know about you, I might not know about my white friends, or society as a whole, where you still have people um, r- protesting to have a Confederate flag at some places, like, you're completely missing the point.
2: There's And there's a difference between being openly ignorant and willingly ignorant. Like, if, if someone is explaining to you that their situation is not the only one, if somebody's explaining to you that their experience, you know, if somebody came to me and said, listen, your experience is not the only one that anybody has. And I say, well, listen, I've had it bad. Like, I don't consider myself privileged. So the idea of white privilege is, you know, it's a force. Like, that's that would be me choosing to be willingly ignorant because... You know, privilege isn't just growing up with money and, and tangible things. Privilege is not ever having to worry about running into a police, you know, in, in, into a police officer in a parking lot and being afraid, you know, if I'm getting in my car, are they going to approach me for no reason? be Just because I'm Black. Like, that's that's the difference between being openly ignorant and willingly ignorant. And I think that's where we have to make a change to to allow people to say listen like we understand um that you've lived a different life than the next person but you have to also be able to see their perspective so that you can like you said educate yourself on it
1: yeah, And i think that's huge because i even on my end like it's something that i'm glad people are saying this time around is like people just shut down when they hear the word privilege not understanding that there are multiple layers to that so yes we're talking about white privilege But there's also male privilege. There's straight male privilege, privilege rather. That there are all different types of privileges, but people just hear that word white privilege and assume that we're talking about your girl with a silver spoon in your mouth. But no, it's exactly like you said. There are certain biases that you don't have to deal with. Same way, there are certain biases that we don't have to deal with as men compared to Mm -hmm. women. So like, it's just letting your guard down and stop being so damn offended or ready to fight back and just listen. If people would actually just sit down and listen, then a lot of these arguments could be had. Because I've had, a, I talked to a mutual friend of mine in from High School about a week or two ago. And we were talking about what's going on, the unrest and and why do people feel this way? And it was me actually talking to him in private. I was like, look, this is what this means. This is what's going on. This is why we feel this way. And he was like, oh, that makes sense. Why doesn't the news say that? Can't trust the news. <laughs> you got to do your own research.
2: You're on mute. Yeah, the media is part of the biggest problem in this country because all they're doing is pushing this divisive agenda. Right. When we've seen all these peaceful protests, where people of all shapes, colors, and sizes are getting together and peacefully protest. Yeah, and the media wants to show, uh, no, they're you know they're 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 black people that are pissed off about George Floyd and they're the ones looting and rioting these places when that that couldn't be farther from the truth.
0: I got two things. I'm gonna re- read. Um... I'm going to read a Chappelle uh, interaction that brings privilege and racism in this 846 together. But I'm also going to um, share my screen again and play um, this video that's been going around about the definition of privilege and what it looks like. And that's going to shift us into a different place. But I'm going to read this Chappelle thing first. It's a bunch of tweets, but I'm just going to summarize it so that I'm not sitting here uh, just rambling at the mouth. Chappelle was doing this uh, sketch uh, some time back, and he was talking about Eric Garner. And there was a privileged uh, white woman in the audience who yells out, um, she yells out, life's hard, sorry about it. Because uh, Chappelle was talking about, um, He, I thought body cameras would help, but what good is video evidence if you don't care? And the white woman yells out, life's hard, sorry about it. And Chappelle asks, uh, what did you say? And she repeats it again. So Dave starts talking about um, Black history. He talks about slave patrols of Rodney King and and Emmett Till, and the Black Wall Street. He talks about Trayvon. He talks about Michael Brown. And he talked about John Crawford. This is the part that's crazy, because he mentions John Crawford in this 846 stand-up. But he says, um, John Crawford. The story about John Crawford. Uh, it's an awful thing. It's an awful thing. He was on the phone in Walmart and picked up a BB gun. That was for sale in Walmart. He was just looking at it. Some scary, per- some scared person called the cops. And an officer comes in, doesn't even say anything. dropped the weapon or hands up and just guns him down. Security footage makes it plain as day. The footage will make you sick, disgusting, and outrageous in every conceivable way. 846 time. Chappelle then tells a story about getting pulled over in Ohio where he lives. This is before Crawford shooting, but after Ferguson, so racial tension is bubbling. He said, I may be white on paper, but I'm still black, so I'm nervous. He's, <laughs> he says the cop approaches, and, and he can tell I'm nervous. I have both my hands up. Um, I have both my hands with the will and I give the officer my license and registration. Um, and he says, you No, know, he tells him my re- license registration is in the glove box. I'm going to reach for him now. There's a promise I'm not armed. I can tell the officer was offended that I was nervous. This is Chappelle talking to the officer. I know who you are, Dave Chappelle. And I said, So why do you need my license and registration? He gets off with a warning. The twist that same cop would go on to murder John Crawford the next day day I shouldn't have to be Dave Chappelle to survive police encounters that my friends I wanna, he mentions that briefly in the 846 um, documentary but he doesn't go into detail about it but knowing that his celebrity saved him from being John Crawford is crazy
1: and you, it's crazy to see the deference given to celebrities because like we saw, he knew who Dave Chappelle was. So it, he knew that this black man was a celebrity, didn't know who that other guy was that he ended up killing and his, his temper was 10 times shorter. So it's, it's just like, if you could flip that switch, whether it's a, a, a conscious bias or a subconscious bias, like that's an issue either way. No matter how we look at it, no matter what kind of bias it is, it's like the fact that you were able to consciously or unconsciously flip that switch to, Oh, this is Dave Chappelle. I need to act accordingly. Nah, you need to act accordingly regardless, no matter who it is. Cause you're a public servant.
2: Yeah. I remember reading that story and, and, and seeing, and, and I, I, I remember the seeing that part of what Dave Chappelle was saying. And it was, again, it was the word keeps coming up. Powerful. Because, like you said, you shouldn't have, or like he said, you shouldn't have to be Dave Chappelle to be treated properly by the police. Like, you shouldn't have, you know, we just talked about privilege, you know. Um, his privilege of being a celebrity and being able to, you know, get off of the warning and, and not have to be concerned because the cop knew who he was. Like, it shouldn't be like that. And it goes, it goes to remind me, this is something that I wanted to bring up too. Um, you know, especially with everything going on and all these protests, and we're trying to get everyone involved to, to make change happen. Um, you know, the big argument I hear from a lot of white people is that, well, you see white people killed by police all the time, and you never hear that stuff on the news. Like, yeah, you're right. We do, and it's not on the news. Guess what? that means it's a problem for us too. Right. So if you, if you want to look at it in a sense of, you know, um, you know, white people are killed more than, than black people by cops, like, yeah, okay, then we should use this, you know, more than just a, a, a police brutality against black people. This should be an issue that all of us should be able to get behind. And so for that to be the argument to say, well, why should I support this? Uh, because it doesn't have to do with someone who looks like me like that's that's the most asinine argument I've ever heard, like again, you shouldn't have to be a certain person or or a certain type of person to be treated properly by the police it should you, everyone should have the same i mean that's what this country is supposed to be built on. everybody has the same rights as everybody else, mm-hmm. so you know don't come at me with this whole narrative that well they don't talk about the white people that are killed well, good then then that's that should be all all the more frustrating for white people if you're if you're not angry about george floyd um because they don't cover the white people that are killed by police like that's you're dumb you're willingly ignorant because the police brutality is a problem
1: and you know what like i'm glad they did touch on that because going back to that he mentioned how sometimes this shit is happening so much that cases are getting left over, like Philando Castile. Like there was a, there was a young woman, there was a young white lady who was killed, I think, by a, a minority cop in Minnesota. Yep. Got completely buried by the media because so much of this was happening. And I had that same interaction with somebody on Facebook. He's like, well, this happens all the time. The white people too. You don't see us complaining. Why not? Why aren't you complaining? Why aren't you complaining? <laughs> aren't you complaining? That's the issue. That this is still happening because you are not complaining.
2: Yeah, it's like we've been desensitized to this sort of thing happening. So and and I again I don't know about the black community, but horror movies and, and scary movies are a big part of today's culture. And so much violence and gratuitous violence for the sake of being violence that we see in movies, I feel like desensitize us to when we see something really happen. To us, it's just like, oh, it's just another another time that we've got to see this on the news. Like, again, that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be talking about somebody else being killed unjustly every other week on the news and just feel like, okay, it's business as usual. That's not the way that it should be. You know what?
0: Um, alarming to me, my wife and I were driving the other day, and um, we saw these cops, it was a bunch of squad cars pulled over and they had a guy, um, they had a guy pulled over and we were like driving by, us and we saw that he was a black guy. And she immediately said, should we start recording? And that's that, that shouldn't be right. Like we're driving by, we see another black guy being, um, not arrested, but he was being questioned by a bunch of different squad cars. And her reaction was, should
2: we start recording just in case?
0: Like that's, that's
2: nuts. Yeah. that's where we are in this country, and that's the, it's not the way it should be. Like, I've got I've got a really good friend uh, that's a, a, a an officer. At least he was. I haven't talked to him in a minute, but we were really close when I was in college. And the last time I spoke with him, he was a police department, or he was he was a police officer down in the Columbia area. We'll just say that. And you know, I asked him how it was because this. I mean, this has been this has been quite some time ago. Um, And this was right around the beginning of the whole live PD uh, era, so to speak. And I asked him how how his job was. And he said, you know, it's okay. But now anywhere we go, we're the bad guys. Like as soon as you walk into a room, people have their cell phones out. Like, yeah, I know you're not one of the bad ones, but I'm thinking about it now. It's guys like that who aren't aren't bad people that should be the ones say, listen, like, Keep your cell phone out, like nothing bad's gonna happen. And if he starts to see something bad happen, police it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's just again, it's a crazy time to be alive right now. And things that we all are being told, hey, just deal with it. If you weren't breaking the law, that you don't have anything to worry about. Um, that sort of culture that we're living in now is just it should not be the norm, and it should not be what we've.
1: And it's also simply not true. <laughs>
2: don't even
1: yeah. to Floyd. Like the we've gotten so conditioned to the point of these videos that like everybody's always assuming, Well, what did they do? Did they resist? And I think a big part of why this one blew up so much is like none of those narratives fit. You can't blow a hole in this one, especially once the second video came out, and you can see him being led to the car, then pulled out of the car, and then you putting his and then the guy putting his knee in his neck. Like he didn't do anything. He didn't resist, he didn't do anything, and he still got killed. So
2: it's, yeah, it's it's frustrating, and that's another narrative that people need to somehow get away from, and I don't know how you do it without having the conversations with your friends who feel that way, but the the conversation that's had that's, well, if he was following the law, then that's no big deal. Well, even if he had a fake $20 bill, that's not punishable by death. Like it does, it's not merit you, you losing your life for a fake. Exactly. I mean, you know... Again, so if you're being questioned or if you're a suspect in a, in a violent crime, you still, by the law in this country, you still have the right to your day in court. And so often we're seeing that police officers all around the country are considering themselves judge, jury, and executioner, regardless of how grand or minuscule the crime may be. And that's something that needs to change. They're doing
0: it right on the sidewalk, which is the problem. In broad daylight at that. Judge, jury, and executioner right there on the spot. You're not even giving me me my just due. You're acting as if you're the uh, supreme Mm -hmm. being. And not only judge, jury, executioner, you're pretty much saying I control your I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound heavy because I know cops that are good people. Right. Um. But that the the consensus, granted, every 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 cop's not a bad cop. the Problem is the good cops aren't speaking up enough to say, "Look, guys, there needs to be a change." I get it. There's there's a uniformity. There's a brotherhood, and that's all I'm going to really touch on about that. But. I feel like the good ones need to be more vocal. Like the the young lady who was uh, seen getting in her getting in the face of her coworkers and pushing them back. There needs to be more of that. Like
1: the problem with that is that a lot of times when that happens they get ostracized. <laughs> yep. Like I was reading about a case where somebody stepped in and stopped their um their coworker from applying a chokehold and, and she was fired. So it's like, it's hard to be a good person working within a corrupt system. So
2: it's, it's like, yeah, it's that good old boy system that, right. again, needs to be reformed, for the lack of better words. Guys, I need to go find a phone charger. Don't stop the conversation on my account. I'll be right back. Yeah,
0: just uh, do what you just did. and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I'm, let me see. All right, I'm going to play, I'm going to share this video when he comes back, uh, he's talking about privilege. Um, But before I do that, let me, yeah, let me set it up because he, I'm sure we can have that conversation about privilege when he, uh, when he comes back. But Let me share this. See my screen?
1: Yeah.
0: All right.
3: Line up, everybody line up. We're about to race. Everybody line up. Shoulder to shoulder. Take off your backpacks. Basketball. Line up. We're about to race. Hey, we are we are racing for a hundred dollar bill. The winner of this race will take this. A hundred dollar bill. Before I say go. I'm gonna make a couple statements. If those statements apply to you, I want you to take two steps forward. If those statements don't apply to you, I want you to stay right where you're at. Take two steps forward if both of your parents are still married. Take two steps forward. If you grew up with a father figure in the home. Take two steps forward if you had access to a private education. Take two steps forward if you had access to a free tutor growing up. Take two steps forward if you never had to worry about your cell phone being shut off. Take two steps forward if you never had to help mom or dad with the bills. Take two steps forward if it wasn't because of your athletic ability. You don't have to pay for college. Take two steps forward if you never wondered where your next meal was gonna come from. I want you guys up here in the front just to turn around and look. Every statement I've made has nothing to do with anything any of you have done. Has nothing to do with decisions you've made. Everything I've said has nothing to do with what you've done. We all know these people here have a better opportunity to win this $100. Does that mean these people back here can't race? No. We would be foolish to not realize we've been given more opportunity. We don't want to recognize that we've been given a head start. But the reality is we have. Now, there's no excuse. They still got to run their race. You still got to run your race. But whoever wins this $100, I think it'd be extremely foolish of you not to utilize that and learn more about somebody else's story. Because the reality is, if this was a fair race and everybody was back on that line, I guarantee you some of these black dudes would smoke all of you it's only because you have this big of a head start that you're possibly going to win this race called life. That is a picture of life, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing you've done has put you in the lead that you're in right now. When I say go, on your mark, get set, go.
0: And that pretty much is the book into that whole conversation about privilege if you don't get it after that video i don't know what to tell you but what i will do to segue into something else is play with some lighthearted stuff to move transition us into the next uh part of the conversation so here we go frick you can show us your dance moves if you want <laughs>
1: Step. Come on, Fred. Two
2: steps. Yeah, Two steps. Sorry, Come on. Yeah. I've always been told that I dance like, like a white guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: Mary. Raspberry.
2: <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
0: I'm, I'm gonna just move this right quick. Um, shifting gears to sports. Um, Patrick Mahomes. I want to ask both of you as sports fans. Is Patrick Mahomes the leader – not the leader. Is Patrick Mahomes the voice?
1: Or the face of the league?
0: Yeah, not only the face of the league, but is he turning into what we would have assumed McNabb would have been or even Russell Wilson would have been? in terms of being um, the face of the league, that black quarterback that is talented can win, but also now as socially aware and conscious.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I kind of felt that he was definitely trending towards the face of the league, but after seeing that video that they put out and how fast the NFL responded to it, yeah. I mean, he's your MVP. He's your Super Bowl winning quarterback, like, the team is stacked for the next couple of years. Like, yeah, he's the face of the league. And, and the fact that Roger Goodell in the NFL moved as fast as they did once he was involved in speaking up compared to the whole Kaepernick situation shows night and day the power of our platform. When, when you're in that position, like you said, like somebody's at the top of their sport, a LeBron, a Steph Curry, or you know, guys at the top of their sport who are also socially active, it changes things. And now we're seeing the NFL have to play that game too.
2: So I would – I would agree, but I would also disagree in a sense that I think the reason that he can – this is this is going to come off uh, not the way I want it to, but I don't know how else to say it. He doesn't look like your typical black quarterback. No,
0: I, the, I, that's the point that I want to get to, but yeah,
2: Yeah, no. So, I mean, if you think of, of the – you know, the famous black quarterbacks, you got Warren moon, uh, Steve young or not Steve young. Uh, God, I'm drawing a blank on his last McNair. name. Steve there, uh, Vince young, uh, more recently, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, uh, Michael Vick, who's not really a great example. Um, you know, so fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of, outside of the, that, that, I mean, it's, it, the examples made and then you mentioned, then Corey, you mentioned Donovan McNabb. Um, but, Patrick Mahomes, I think he appeals more for those. I wouldn't say those racist. I, I'll say it for you. He's, he's not, not Lamar really, Jackson, right? Yeah, there you go. That's that's kind of yeah. So I think it's great that you have someone who looks different um, that can that can appeal. He, essentially, he wants. To, I, I think he can be what Colin Kaepernick tried to be. Um, but I, I, you know, it's it's. The fact that he is as good as he is, and he has the background that he has, helps the cause. Um, it's just—it's a shame that someone like Lamar Jackson uh, could not necessarily move the the move the the bar, so to speak, as much as someone say like Patrick Mahomes. Um, and it this is something
1: that's known as being white passing. He is. Yeah. It's easier to be it's through all through black history lighter skin black people have a privilege so to speak in that they are they are i guess you could say easier on the eyes i guess you can say and so a lot of times your white passing celebrities get a lot more leeway than your darker skin celebrities and that's always been a thing
3: yeah
0: what i like about um mahomes being the face is that like you said him being in that video that the players did, because there was a whole bunch of other players in that mm-hmm. video. Him being the super, the current Super Bowl MVP, champion, like jerseys selling through the roof. Roger Goodell is looking at this. I'm gonna say from a business standpoint. Yep. Mahomes is putting seats, butts in seats. Period. He's selling merchandise. He's black. He's light-skinned, but the fact that he is undoubtedly probably the most popular player in the National Football League right now, and for him to have a platform, yeah, Goodell learned his lesson. Colin Kaepernick wasn't the best quarterback, and I'm not going to get into the, he has an afro, Mahomes has the...
1: Curly hair. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want to get
0: into that, but...
1: No, but I feel you. I think this situation with, and I've said this before. I think the situation with Kaepernick would have been completely different if this was Super Bowl, Super Bowl Kaepernick and Conference Championship Kaepernick. Not, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm on my way out the league in my last year of my deal, Kaepernick. And I think people use that, similar to any of other any other situation in the media, use that as a reason to dismiss what he was doing. Oh, he's doing this for attention. But when you have somebody that's at the top of their game and theoretically could lose a lot of fans and a lot of endorsements for speaking out this way and you still do it, it has a, it holds a lot more weight. It definitely does. And that's, that's and like Frick said, mentioning Cam Newton, that was one of my issues with him as a big Cam Newton fan is that he he strayed the clean line just trying to be friendly. I can't, I can't blame nobody for trying to chase the bag and not trying to risk no endorsements, but at one point, Cam was the face of the league for a year or two. He was the MVP. He was the MVP. 15 and 1 teams. Endorsements out the, out the yin yang. And that could have been his platform. But so to see Mahomes doing that now at arguably the peak of his career is commendable because he can actually influence real change as we saw.
0: You know what's dangerous yeah. about Mahomes? I'm going to let you get in here, Frick. No, what's, what's dangerous about Mahomes? He hasn't even gotten those endorsements yet. He hasn't even gotten that big contract yet. Great. So when they go into those extensions, contract extension talks, they're going to back the branch truck up to oh, his yeah. driveway. Because he doesn't have that stuff yet. He don't have the, the huge sponsorships. He don't have he's still in a which is crazy.
2: No kidding. Yeah. No, I think to Will's point, I think if Kaepernick and, – and this is going to sound like the cop-out that he wasn't as good. I think if Kaepernick had the talent that Patrick Mahomes had when he started what he started, that he would have gotten a lot less, um, I guess, pushback. I mean, I think if uh, – I mean, imagine if – and I guess it's, it's, it's not going to come off the right way either, but imagine if someone like Tom Brady – or right. if he was still in the league, uh, Peyton Manning were to kneel with Patrick Mahomes, um, the the sort of attention that he wanted to draw to the uh, to the movement, so to speak, would have been where it needed to be. Versus, well, Kaepernick's just an entitled, spoiled, you know, football player. So um, no, I.
1: They said about him to try to denigrate the movement. Like they try to say, "Oh, he's a he's washed up. Oh, he's trying to get a new contract. Oh, he what does he know about what does he know about oppression? He came from a mixed family. The fuck does that have to do with anything? But these were all the things that they used to try to diminish the fact that this man saying, "Yo, stop killing us. Why does it have to be a butt? Like there should never be a butt other than like stop killing us, but stop killing us.
2: That that should be it." I've, and again it, it points back to it's not it's not ju- you know i don't want to say it's a it's an all lives matter issue but anybody who's gonna you know watch this or, or think about it and say you know again i, I made the point a minute ago that police brutality you know it's it's not just someone like george floyd okay then consider yourself part of the us crowd right take ownership of it like if one of your closest friends is black and he is afraid of you or of a police officer coming, you know, and killing him for, for, you know, next to nothing. You should take ownership of that because that friend of yours is part of your group. He is, he is part of you. That's us. That's the way it should work.
0: Outside of it, even like uh, with everything that's happening, one of the bigger things that I've been noticing um, are the statues coming down in different places of um people who historically were slave owners or like they they have just some really deep rooted history in um racism and to see that these statues are coming down everywhere both of you guys from charleston south carolina i visited last year and was blown away at will just so casually telling me oh yeah this is where Slave trade was. Oh, this is mm. where Blah 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 was. Or this, like being in an area, growing up there, and now seeing, even after Will was telling me after Dylan Roof situation, Charleston still was together as a whole. There wasn't no. There
1: was no rioting, no nothing.
0: Nope. This current situation making Charleston say, "No, we're protesting. No, these statues are coming down. No, the Panthers owner get that statue out of here." Right. right. People being in that mindset now gives me the hope that moving forward, change is gonna come. I hate to be cliche, but seeing that stuff come down now, even with communities coming together in a Charleston, South Carolina saying, nah, get that out of here. We don't want that to represent us anymore. Get that out of here.
1: I I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I was like, "I," and I mean this with no disrespect, I feel like our parents' generation got complacent because I feel like our grandparents and great-grandparents fought for change, pushed for change, sacrificed, had dogs turned on them, all kind of Jim Crow. My grandparents grew up under Jim Crow. Like, it wasn't that long ago. My grandparents grew up in a segregated Alabama. And so I feel like our parents saw, yo, like, we progressed a little bit, we're good. And during that time, stuff has progressively gotten slowly. We got pushed back a little bit. But I feel like our generation is like, no, nah, fuck that. This is, we're not done. Like our grandparents started it. We're not done. We have to keep going until we truly get equality, not some paper equality.
2: So not to, not to steer away from that, but to, to speak on the statues that people are asking to have brought down. Um, as someone who grew up knowing that their great-grandfather fought in the Civil War um, for the South at that, um, I, I never viewed Confederate, uh, I guess, idols as anything that were offensive because they weren't offensive to me. And I was, I wouldn't say I was part of that. It's heritage, not hate group. But I I sort of was Um, when the KKK began using the flag as a symbol to progress their white, you know, or, you know, move forward their white power movement. um, It no longer became a sign of, of history. It was being used as a symbol of hate the same way that the symbol for Nazi Germany was was a religious, you know, a religious symbol. That now, anytime you see that that Nazi swastika, it's automatically you know resonates with with Jewish people. Um, so when you see all these statues all over the South, dedicated to these generals and these uh, majors and whatever you know the case were that fought in the Civil War for the South, um, the people who are fighting for them not to come down to me are viewing them as almost sort of religious idols mm-hmm. and they're so terrified that if you take a if you take one statue of of robert e lee down then you're going to remove that from history like no anybody growing up in the united states knows about the civil war you're going to know the name robert e lee you don't have to have a statue of him to explain who he was and what he did um you know, and it goes for the Confederate flag coming down from the state capitol um you know going off of state house grounds, it's just a matter of you know it's time Saddam Hussein had a statue in Iraq at one point it came down like well, then, were were there were there really people that were fighting to keep the Saddam Hussein statue up like it's just I don't, and again, by no means am I comparing to Saddam Hussein to the people who fought for what they thought was right in the 1800s um but at the same time, like, it's, it's 2020. Like, it's time to maybe, you know, okay, it was history. Some of it was ugly. Some of it was nice. But regarding the Civil War, nothing about the Civil War was pretty. Um, you know, it's, you know, whether you not you want to um, argue that the Civil War was about slavery or not, the bottom line is that the Civil War was an ugly, an ugly, ugly war fought where a lot of us have grown up and known as our home. Um, so maybe it's time to move away from some of that ugly history and start, for lack of better phrase, create some new history that we can show, not me personally, but but those of of, of those people who are going to have children who are going to have children, leave some history for them that they can be proud to call their history and not something that they have to defend in a sense of, well, you know yeah that statue is, is great because you know this happened 100 years ago well why why did that happen well that's that's another story like no give them something to be able to be proud of versus always having to defend what is on our streets that some people find offensive
1: and, and even tying into that like i don't i am a i'm a firm supporter of pulling the statues down i am not for tearing them apart reason being it's history put it in the museum there's nothing wrong with it being in a museum. That is how we, as they say, if you don't learn from your history, you're destined, you're, they're destined to repeat it. Cool, mm-hmm. Put it in a museum. It's just some of these things being public and like taking Corey to the market, like what that, what that is representative of, why is that still standing? Like if, if it's not a historical building, why is that still standing? Um, but, so definitely, I fully agree. Put some of these statues, put some of these monuments in museums. That's where they need to be so that you can learn about them. Same thing. But I think tying into what you said, a lot of it is apprehension because this wasn't the life or the history that I was told this. This isn't how I view the Civil War. Like you said, you you view it as my great grandfather was fighting for what he thought was right. By all means, you have you have every right to celebrate your grandfather fighting for what he thought was right at that time nothing wrong with that but it's also you also have to understand that your perspective may not be the only perspective and i think that's what people are getting caught up with when they're like well what about my grandfather's history taking nothing from him but let's look at the entire picture
2: and i think that's the conversation we've been having for the most part for this for this you know call is that you have to you know you have to open your mind and and be accepting that there are people who have had and continue to have different experience than yours, and if the vast majority of people feel a certain way um, about, say, idols that represent people that fought in the Civil War, and you happen to not be on the majority side, then you know, I, I think Corey said that uh, that lady in the Dave Chappelle show said earlier, life isn't easy. You know, deal with it. Like, okay life isn't easy not everything is good you are not i have never met someone in my life that has 100 percent always ever gotten what they wanted so pick your battles take your l's with your w's and if the statues come down just okay like you said put them in a put them in a museum that's where history goes to that is what museums are for right school, school field trips you know learn learning history hey this this statue represents you know general custard and and it was you know on the corner of this street and this street until 2020 when we decided that we were going to move forward with it you know move forward instead of continue to live in the past there's absolutely nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah so we're we're on the same page that that's why we're friends <laughs> 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 Yeah, you muted again, bro. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I was saw. Corey talking. I, would, I didn't hear him.
0: And, and now the world sees why um why you're here um coincidentally sandwiched in between um two African Americans. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is
2: this the definition of an Oreo cookie like? <laughs> I mean, that's what was that what we're talking about? I don't know. Was that was that inappropriate? Should I not have said that? Am I going to get for that? the <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs>
1: Yo, did I just fuck up? My bad. (laughs) Sorry.
0: This is is why you're you're lovable, and everybody's gonna see why you're lovable and why you were up here. (laughs) Um, Do you guys have anything to promote while you're here before we go? I am gonna ask each of you for a show, as customary, show or movie. But what are you promoting? What should the people be looking out for?
1: If you were into wrestling and/or pop culture, feel free to follow me up. one two three pins that's at one two three p-i-n-s on twitter and instagram uh we just released some jerseys with a couple of wrestlers and we're working on some uh actual actual clothing line drop um hopefully in the summer man so at one two three pins
2: so uh bully rye has his own podcast i haven't recorded a new episode in a while but football season's coming the uh the podcast revolves around uh fantasy football Mix a little pro wrestling. It's called tap outs and touchdowns. You can follow me on Twitter at taps, uh, tap outs and TDs. Um, and I'm trying to think, I mean, support your local businesses. You can support my business. Uh, you can sell, buy wonderful pistachios, palm, wonderful pomegranate juice, and Fiji water. Um, otherwise support one, two, three pins. Cause I just did. And, uh, get a uh, good stuff, man. So I think, uh, I think that's about it. I'll take
0: oh, a case of Fiji whenever you whenever you're ready, sir.
2: Um, yeah, no, I actually I was drinking some a minute ago. I did also want to mention if anybody ever wants to follow my my YouTube page, uh, Papa Frick on YouTube. I will. I'm I'm. I just started streaming uh, live uh, Madden games with people in my Madden league. So if you have, if you if you're one of those people that like to watch other people play video games, you can you can watch me get beat in Madden every now and then.
0: <laughs> what about shows, movies, anything that you've been? Uh, one you man, did. I've
1: been I've been binging Fresh Prince and it's been amazing. I'm on season four and unfortunately, the moment Aunt Viv left, that entire character lost relevance because like light skin ain't light skin Aunt Viv ain't it, man? I need I need the dark skin Aunt Viv back. You want to say that because your name's Will Smith. Uh, well, Fred, that's, that's, that's kind of like
2: uh, Family Matters. The same thing happened with the mom on Family Matters, right?
1: uh no they got rid of the sister the sister the dis- sister that's who it was yeah yeah so she went upstairs and never came back down judy
0: the think- mom on family matters too she was replaced yes i thought i was right
2: yeah I family was my shit back when i was a kid yeah they got
1: rid of, of harriet damn yeah,
2: yeah, yeah harriet, i didn't know that either
0: man. uh my wife put me on game uh when she was like not nah, a wife the wife changed i was like i stopped watching after a certain point so Facts. I yeah. love
2: him from Steve Urkel but no um so yeah he was binging Fresh Prince I will always recommend uh The Office and Parks and Rec even though Will happens to hate The Office Jeez. um yeah, <laughs> man, my my suggestions start at season start at like halfway through season two go all the way through the series and then come back and catch season one of The Office um and then Parks and Rec kind of the same thing like start in season two but I'll, I've, I've gone through those series multiple times um and then uh, I just watched Uncut Gems uh, this weekend, uh, the Adam Sandler movie, and uh, I think Will actually described it perfectly. It's, it's very anxiety inducing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the end just, I'm not gonna spoil anybody, but the end uh, to me was just very shocking is probably the best way to describe it, so. Yeah, that movie felt like a two hour panic attack. Yes, oh my God, it's perfect! It's a two hour panic attack. That's that's the perfect description of it to be completely honest.
0: All right. My uh thing, I'm gonna stay uh on my blacky black, blackity black, black, blackety black. Um <laughs> Netflix, uh LA ninety two, the documentary. Um
2: Yeah.
1: I've been meaning uh, to watch that. That in uh Spike Lee's new joint that just
2: dropped. Oh, I didn't realize Spike Lee dropped a new movie up to catch yeah. it out. He
0: has a new joint, he has
2: his Five new blood. Spike Lee joint. <clears throat> Sweet. I'll add that to my queue when I go downstairs.
0: Yes. So uh, I do appreciate you guys for coming up. Frick, this is the last time you're going to be up here. Hopefully you will have me on your platform so we can talk whatever sports. I'm 100%, now.
2: man. I really appreciate you having me, man. I, I'd probably talk too much, but I really appreciate you having me on. This was, no, this was awesome. No, you did a really
0: good job, sir. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Um, people are gearing up to get back to work. Uh, I hope during this time frame, you've stored up enough excuses to get you a day off on a Monday or a Friday. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for coming up. That's all I have. au Thanks,
2: man.